With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 368 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here, March 21st, 2023. Wow, what a World Baseball Classic that was. Team Japan just edging out Team USA there. Yu Darvish came in the game in relief, pitched an inning. He did give up a run. A very uh, limited World Baseball Classic for Yu Darvish, may I say. And we will talk about that, talk about Drew Pomerantz, the update there. There's updates on Juan Soto's health, Austin Nola, uh, some positive things there. Uh, there's a, a lot to get to. Obviously, any comments, any questions, feel free to put them in the chat, and I will eventually get to those. If you want to support the channel, you can use that Super Chat button, and I will definitely get to those comments, those questions. I uh, appreciate you all for being here, either on the podcast platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, or here on YouTube Live or on Replay. So let's start off with the World Baseball Classic. The Padres, by the way, they are playing the Rockies. They're up 14-2 to right now in the ninth inning. So seems like they've had a really, really good night offensively. I watched some of that game, posted some clips, but to be honest, my attention was on the WBC final. I mean, USA-Japan, that was the the matchup that I was waiting for 
throughout the tournament. Like, that's the dream matchup that I wanted. And to see it end with Shohei Otani against Mike Trout, that's a matchup I'm never going to forget. That That is an at-bat I'm never going to forget. Watching that, those are two of the best players of all time. Two of the most talented players of all time. And so to see Shohei and Trout go up against each other, USA down a run, Trout their their last hope, right? Or else they lose. And Otani strikes him out 100 miles per hour, gets a couple swings and misses, throws 102, yanks it, then goes with that nasty 87-mile-per-hour slider. So I did a quick breakdown on that on my MLB Baseball YouTube channel, Baseball Struck. So I encourage you to go check that out when you have a chance. Uh, it's literally like less than a minute, but really, really cool at bat there. And then my reaction uh, to the game also on that channel. Uh, but you, Darvish, that was obviously the Padres part of Japan and USA. He pitched one inning in this game, gave up the home run. And in the tournament, he pitched six innings. You, Darvish, who's one of the, the faces of Japanese baseball, right? I know he hadn't pitched in Japan in a long time, but he's one of the faces, right? It's Otani and Darvish. Those are the two, like, gods in Japan, right? Newt Barr became a fan favorite, and Masataka Yoshida obviously is a favorite there, and he's huge there. And they, they have a lot of other guys that are big there that play in Japan, right? Sasaki is a huge name, right, that we're going to be hearing a lot more of. But Darvish and Otani, those are the two main guys, and Darvish didn't really have a huge role with Team Japan in this WBC, which was surprising to me because I think the Padres had the viewpoint that, okay, we're fine with Darvish leaving early for the World Baseball Classic, not coming to spring training because he's going to get his innings in with Team Japan. He's going to get multiple starts in this World Baseball Classic because Japan's going to go far and everything's going to be fine. But that's not how it played out. Darvish got that one start in pool play where he went like three innings. And then he had a, a relief appearance in, I believe, the quarterfinals after Otani came in. Or Otani might have started that game. Dar yeah, I think he started. Then Darvish came in relief, pitched two innings. And then his next outing was tonight. One inning in the eighth inning. And... I thought that he was going to get multiple innings. He was going to piggyback their starter. Japan ended up using like seven pitchers in this game instead of going with Darvish for multiple innings or at least one way, one time around Team USA's lineup. Now, I know in the Fox broadcast, they showed the matchups, the top of the USA order. They've had good numbers off of Darvish. So I understand Japan not going with Darvish, but. It did surprise me that, like, Darvish, again, one of the faces of Japanese baseball, and it's not like he's washed. He just got on a hundred-plus million-dollar contract from the Padres. He's the Padres' ace. He would be pitching on opening day uh, if he was built up, but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. So I was just really surprised with how he was used in this World Baseball Classic. Now, Japan, they obviously knew what they were doing. I mean... They ended up winning, right? And they pulled pretty much all the right strings in this tournament pitching-wise. They were stacked pitching-wise. They had a lot more depth than probably 
the regular fan was giving them credit for because the regular fan probably wasn't up at 3 a.m. watching their depth in the pool play and in the quarterfinals, right, in Tokyo, like I was. Uh, so I knew that they had a lot of depth and there was a lot of options beyond Darvish, but it's still you, Darvish, you know? So maybe I'm the only one that was surprised, but I'm surprised by that. Six innings in this tournament. That's it. Five runs that he allowed, seven hits, a walk, two strikeouts, 93 pitches. Again, only 93 pitches in the whole World Baseball Classic. And it's not like it was just pool play. They got all the way to the finals and won the whole thing. 93 pitches in the WBC. So that puts Darvish behind. So I don't think that he is going to be starting on opening day as I'm sitting here right now. My opinion could change on that if he comes back and pitches in spring training and he says he's good to go and he can give six innings and the Padres, you know, Bob Melvin thinks the same thing. But Bob Melvin was speaking to the media earlier today and he was saying that they hope that Darvish can come back, make a spring training start and give him like three, four innings in that outing, however much they can get and then build up from there. So that doesn't seem like he's ready for opening day if, you know, he comes back and it's a spring training start and it's going to be three or four innings, right? Now, I know it's the beginning of the year. It's not like this is October and he's not going to be ready. I don't think it's a huge deal. But these games do still count in April. March 30th still counts, right? So I don't think he's going to, like, miss a start. I think he would still make a start, but it might not be on opening day. It might take him a, a few extra days to get that rest between his last start to be ready for that first start of the regular season. It might come on the Saturday of that Rocky series or Sunday. So this WBC, like, I love Darvish participating in it. I'm totally fine with it. I love Manny and Cruz, Soto, Chris Matt, Sullivan, Martinez, Bogarts, all the Padres. I probably missed someone. All the Padres that participated in it. I was fine with it as long as they were healthy and as long as they were getting their work in, right? Nelson Cruz, he'll get his at-bats. I'm not worried too much about that. But pitching-wise, like spring training, the big thing about spring training, why they have it for so long, is because of the pitching, right? To get those pitchers, the starting pitchers, get them ramped up. It takes time. And like I said on previous shows, I'm not worried about Darvish this season, like how he's going to perform. Is he going to be ready to go like when he makes his first start? Like he'll be ready to go. I trust you, Darvish. But it's the ramp up that's like him not being ready for opening day. That's what it feels like right now. That was the issue in this World Baseball Classic. Again, I love Darvish participating for Team Japan. I totally understand how much he loves participating for Team Japan and how he probably feels like he owes it to Japan to participate in it. And he absolutely loves it. And he gets to be teammates with Shohei. Hopefully, this isn't just a one-time thing. Hopefully, it's for years and years to come, right, after this season. But it, I, I was going into this thing, into the WBC thinking that he was going to continue to ramp up. He was going to get his pitches in in the WBC, in these starts. I know the first round, the pool play, he could only go a certain amount of pitches. But I thought he was going to keep ramping up, not have 93 pitches in total in the tournament. So I guess my point here is I'm just super surprised that he got less than 100 pitches 
in this tournament when he's you freaking Darvish. Again, it worked out for Japan, but it doesn't seem like he's going to be ready for opening day. Again, I don't expect him to miss his first start, but it's going to take him a little extra time to probably ramp up. After he made outings in the WBC, and I don't think this is being talked enough, talked about enough, he did throw in the bullpen, you know, 45 extra pitches that one day to get to the same pitch count that like Waka and Martinez were at. So he's still built up that way. I'm sure he still got pitches in or he'll get pitches in maybe in Peoria tomorrow or whenever he gets back or maybe he got pitches in before the game because he knew he wasn't going to go a long time today. Um, he's getting his pitches in, but it's just not in a game environment. And I think the Padres, they want him in that game environment to be ramped up and get those innings in a game environment, even if it's spring training. Have the ups and the downs, right? The up-downs. Be able to go out, pitch an inning, through batters, get through an inning, go sit down for 20 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever, then come back up, pitch another inning, sit down, come back, pitch another inning, sit down, come back, pitch another inning, sit down, come back, pitch another inning. Is he going to be ready to do that? Is he going to be able to do that at a high level come opening day? It doesn't seem like that is the case. It doesn't seem like that's going to be the case. If I had to estimate where you Darvish was right now with his pitch, uh, pitch count, he's probably over 70 pitches, I would say. But innings-wise, like in a game environment, how many high-quality innings could he give against the Rockies right now? If this was a regular season, maybe pitch into the fifth inning at the most? Maybe. And I feel like I'm being generous. Maybe it's like four innings right now. That's what it feels like. Because what, what would 60, 70 pitches get you right now in the big leagues? If he's going to go 100 pitches for six, right? So where is he right now? I guess that's the big question. And I guess we'll find out in that next spring training start or the first spring training start that he makes in 2023. But I'm curious to see Padres fans' thoughts here on you darvish if you guys have any flag god 97 says darvish wasn't that good in the wbc yeah but you also have to realize the circumstances right two of those outings he was pitching in relief darvish is not a relief pitcher he's not used to that and he is in spring training mode i know he was competing out there and he really cared but he's not in peak form right he's not in peak form right now so I'm not concerned about him giving up home runs in the World Baseball Classic in the time frame where he'd be pitching in Peoria games, right? Kwan says, Sasaki is going to be the man in five years. Yeah, I mean, guy's already throwing 102 and he's 21. I'm seeing a lot of Pomerantz talk. We'll get to him. Kwan says, Darvish will be okay. He's just a little behind schedule. If anything, his first few starts, they will use him as an opener. I mean, yeah, look. And I think this is a good segue into the Drew Pomerant stuff. Because Darvish can be an opener, you know, in his first start, go like four innings, work into the fifth maybe, if that's where, if that's where his pitch count is. And obviously it's the beginning of the year. 
these games beginning of the year don't mean as much, hopefully, to the Padres as the games in September and October, right? Hopefully, they're not going to be fighting for a playoff spot in September. Hopefully, they'll be good enough to be in the playoffs, kind of be in like the Mets position last year, last year, be in the playoffs, then obviously play better than the Mets when the postseason comes around. Or, or I mean, we want them to get the bye and not even have to play the wild card. But so, ho- so hopefully that's not an issue. Um, but yeah, I agree. Darvish will be okay. I'm not worried about Darvish and his how he's going to perform in the season. It's just I'm surprised by the lack of work that he got in game in games in the WBC through less than 100 pitches in the games in the WBC. That's just really, really surprising to me. So let's say they have to use Darvish first time around, kind of have to piggyback him with another long man. Well, the Padres, they're going to probably have two long men in this bullpen instead of just one in Nabil Chrismat. And I say two because Drew Pomerantz, it doesn't look like he's going to be ready for the season. Kevin A.C. Uh, said in the Union Tribune the other day, it appears Drew Pomerantz will not be pushed to be ready for the start of the season. And then Bob Melvin talked to the media earlier today before the Padres spring training game and said Drew Pomerantz felt pain near his elbow that has kept him off of the mound. He's throwing at 120 feet, flat ground, likely not appearing in Cactus League games and will not be ready for opening day. So, yeah. The Pomerantz news, that's unfortunate. It's disappointing. All the quotes that I've read of him this spring training and how much he wants to help this team and how sick he is of just sitting on the sideline in the dugout and not being able to pitch for the Padres. He's so sick of it. And so I feel for him. It sucks. He just can't stay healthy. I don't think we should expect anything out of Drew Pomerantz this year. Whatever we get out of Drew Pomerantz is just the... What the, the cherry on top? Uh, it, it's just it's just extra. I like where the bullpen's at without Pomerantz. Obviously, with Pomerantz, adding another lefty. I mean, when he was on the mound with the Padres during this contract, four years, thirty-four million dollars, a one-six-two ERA and forty-four and a third innings. But guess what? It's only forty-four and a third innings. Stephen Wilson threw more innings than that in twenty twenty-two alone, and Pomerantz did nothing last year. Didn't pitch a full 2021. And 2020 was a short year, right? Who knows if he would have got hurt then. So it's been very disappointing. It's definitely one of A.J. Preller's worst contracts that he's given out. Hey, you hit on some and you and you don't hit on some, right? Pomerantz, Hosmer, those are a couple that stand out that he did not hit on, right? He's obviously hit on... Many more than he's missed on, I would say, right? I, I could go down the line. I mean, Tatis, Machado. I mean, Tatis, I'm talking about like scouting him, bringing him into the Padres organization, and hopefully the extension works. I think locking him down long term, that contract, that's going to work out because of the low AAV. He would, he would have gotten probably $500 million if he reached for agency whenever he was scheduled to reach for agency. So maybe we can include him in that. But like Manny... And the Musgrove extension, I think the Darvish extension is going to work out because of the AAV being lowered. The Nick Martinez deal, bringing him back, bringing him in, bringing in Luis Garcia, Robert Suarez, those have worked. Um, I mean, I I could go down the line. I mean, there's trades too. I I don't want to forget the trades, but I was just trying to think of contracts. Like 
not not only trades, uh, but he's made a lot of trades, and there are some moves that didn't work out on the trade front, and there's some moves that did work out on the trade front. And I would say most moves on the trade front have worked out, at least recently, over the last few years. The trades that he has made, most of them have worked out. But the Pomeranz deal obviously was one that didn't. Four years, $34 million, and all he has given the Padres in that is less than 45 innings. He's been dominant, less than a 1-7 ERA when he's been on the mound, but that's not good enough. You have to be on the mound. You could, you could have an amazing ERA. You could have a zero ERA in those innings, and you still provided an impact, but were you consistent? No, you weren't because you weren't consistently on the mound. In order to be consistent on the mound, you have to be on the mound pitching in these big league games, and he just hasn't been able to do that. So, yeah, it's definitely disappointing what we've seen uh, from Drew Pomerantz or the lack thereof of what, you know, the lack thereof uh, appearances from what we've seen from Drew Pomerantz. But there is a bright side to this. Pomerantz not being on the opening day roster, that opens up another long man spot, which will only help this Padres pitching staff because there are a lot of question marks in this rotation. I don't know about long-term. There's back end of the rotation question marks for sure. But I'm talking about just short-term question marks beginning of the year, right? Darvish. How many innings he's going to be able to give the Padres first time around? Blake Snell, we know he has some slow starts. I know he's supposed to be ramped up fully, and he's probably the favorite to start opening day on March 30th against the Rockies at Petco. By the way, things are going right now, but he's a question mark because who knows how long he's going to go in those first couple starts because he gets off to slow starts. They're going to need him to go longer than usual, but that still is a question mark. Darvish, Snell, and then Lugo, how long is he going to go in those first couple starts? Is he going to be able to go six innings? I don't know. I'm not including Nick Martinez as a question mark because I have faith in him. I think he's going to be ramped up. He left Team USA to be ramped up with the Padres. I, I'm, I don't think he's a question mark at the beginning of the season. Just in terms of innings, pitch count, same with Michael Walker. I think he's going to be good. But Musgrove, Lugo, Darvish, Snell, right? Musgrove, obviously, he's not going to be starting the season probably pitching the first series, right? He's aiming for, by the way, the update there, he's going to be throwing in a sim game against hitters, but they're not going to be swinging just having hitters in the box. He's going to be throwing that tomorrow. So that's on Wednesday, if you're just listening to this on Wednesday. So later in the day. Um, he's throwing on Wednesday, and I think he's trying to get to like two to three innings, 45, maybe 50 pitches. That's where he's trying to get to. So he's on pace for April 6th, but the Padres obviously want to be careful. They don't want to rush him. But even when he comes back, how many innings are they going to allow him to go? And you don't want this bullpen to be taxed, heavily taxed early on in the season, right? Because then what if some starters struggle near the end or in the middle and the bullpen's fried and they have to continue pitching? We saw how that worked out in 2021, right? Not so great. So you don't want that to happen. It's going to happen a little bit. They played 23 games in the first 24 days. It's pretty rough. And you add the question marks in. Uh, that My point is, those two long men, it's going to be Chris Matt and probably Honeywell or Jay Groom, I would think. I don't see Tehran making it right now. 
And I think it'll be a five-man to start the season if Musgrove's not pitching, just because you don't want to add another question mark on that in the rotation, and he might not go long. And then you have one less long man in the bullpen because that guy's starting. He takes up the sixth spot, right? If you see what I'm getting there. So there's Chris Matt and Jay Groom or Brent Honeywell. They're going to be so important to this Padres team in the first few weeks, the first couple times around the rotation, first few times around the rotation to get those pitchers ramped up and not have to put a lot of pressure on those starters and make them feel like I got to be perfect so that I can go a couple more outs or a few, yeah, a few more outs, one more inning so that this long man doesn't have to pitch in the game. They can just go straight to the bullpen. No, 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 don't feel that. Maximize the pitches you can have. We'll get you ramped up. We have two good guys that we trust to be long men. Like, that's what I, that's what obviously we're hoping from the Chris Matts of the world when the season starts. But this Pomerantz injury, probably not making the roster, he wasn't a guarantee to be great when he was on the roster. Didn't know we were, what we were going to get out of him, assuming that he was going to be on the roster. Now that he's not going to be on the roster, probably for opening day, and who knows when or if he will be on the Padres this year, on, on the big league staff, in the bullpen, at Petco, will he pitch at Petco? Who knows? That's, we'll, we'll see. I'm rooting for Drew, but we'll see. It's not looking great right now. Having Pomerantz not on the roster, gives the Padres that extra long man, which should only help the Padres. That should only put them in a better spot pitching-wise. Again, 23 games in the first 24 days of the season. They need that extra long man. And with the fresh bullpen, I think there's a less need, lesser need, is that a word? Lesser need of Drew, having Drew Pomerantz. So hopefully you understand that, what, where I'm getting at there. Um, there's a Soto update. There is a Austin Nola update. But first, a message about Gaglione Bros. Check out Gaglione Bros famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. We got some breaking news here. According to AJ Casavell. Bob Melvin, I guess this was after the game, he said Juan Soto's oblique strain is minimal based on the results of an MRI today. The team expects him to resume swinging in the next couple of days. Optimistic he'll get more Cactus League at-bats. So that is great news. Oblique strain for Juan Soto is minimal. Again, that's breaking news from A.J. Casavell, other beat writers. Bob Melvin, I guess, spoke to the media right after this game against the Colorado Rockies. Before the game, the update was he was in the MRI tube. Like, as Melvin was speaking, he didn't have an update on how that went. So, minimal. That is great news. Resume swinging in the next couple of days. That's, that's great news. All right. Uh, so, that's the Soto update. I think we can all exhale on that. The Austin Nola update, he has a slight fracture on his nasal, nasal bone, and we thought that his nose was fractured after the hit-by-pitch, and he was carted off the other day against the Cubs in Mesa, Arizona. Really, really scary sight to see. And we didn't know if he was going to be available for opening day, and so I was going through all the catching depth, right? Not all of it. I mean, my point is, my point was in that show was like, there's not a ton of catching depth. 
And Austin Nola is super important to this team uh, to keep the pitching staff together and have someone that we can rely upon at least to be a good backstop behind the plate, uh, consistent backstop, a veteran, right? Um, but slight fracture, nasal bone, not a ton of swelling, according to Bob Melvin. Could be doing baseball activities as early as Wednesday. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So that is great news. So Juan Soto could be swinging in the next couple of days. Minimal stuff there with the oblique strain. And then uh, Nola could begin baseball activities starting tomorrow on Wednesday. I don't know when he's going to get into a Cactus League game. I think Bomel told the media that he should be able to get into a Cactus League game if everything keeps progressing well. He told Bob Melvin that he felt really good today. So that is great news on the Austin Nola front. Austin Nola, look. Is Juan Soto a better player than Austin Nola? Yes, obviously. But with the catching depth that the Padres don't really have, Brett Sullivan not having a lot of experience with the Padres pitching staff because he was just with the World Baseball Classic or with Italy in the WBC. Pedro Severino just got into the organization. It's Campy and Nola. Like, that's, that, that was it. And do the Padres, are they at a point right now where they can trust Luis Camposano to go catch every day. I don't know if they're at that point. I don't think they are. I think Austin Nola deserves to be the starting catcher, and Campy has to earn that playing time. So the Padres, they need Austin Nola. Like, yeah, if the Padres didn't have Juan Soto to start the season, that would suck. But there's still a lot of offense around other than Juan Soto that could keep the Padres afloat, right? And there's decent outfield depth, I think, they could have Dahl and Angle be starting with Grisham, or they could have a Zokar start as well. Uh, like They can find ways to get around Soto for a week or something, if that was the case. doesn't look like it's going to. He should get some Cactus League at-bats, according to Bob Melvin, which is great news. But I think they could get by for like a week or so without Soto. It wouldn't be that big of a deal with the talent around him. But with Austin Nola, like that is a huge void. That would have to be filled. Huge shoes to fill by Campy and by Brett Sullivan or Pedro Severino, whoever would have been the backup catcher. Probably Severino. Those have been huge shoes to fill if Nola was not going to be ready by opening day. Because he is so comfortable with, or the pitchers are so comfortable with him. There are pitchers on the staff that don't want to pitch to Luis Camposano. Maybe they're opening it up they're, they're opening themselves up to that thought. But, like, Blake Snell didn't want to pitch to Campy, right? 
Musgrove, he didn't pitch to Luis Camposano until he got the contract extension. And I know he spoke glowingly of Camposano with his preparation and all that. Uh, I think that after that giant start in San Francisco, or leading up to it, like the preparation, and he was locked in, and I loved hearing that last year. But that happened after he got his money. I, I think we got to realize that. You Darvish, he's pitching Austin Nola. Like, that's his personal catcher after Victor Caratini left. So I think fans, we got to real. I, I, I assume some fans do realize it, but I think a lot of the fan base needs to realize how important Austin Nola is to this team. And sure, there's a lot of Luis Camposano fans out there that want him to be the starting catcher. I think he can be the starting catcher at some point. But right now, that, that guy is Austin Nola. The starting catcher is Austin Nola. And so I'm super excited. Or I'm super happy. I'm super relieved. I can just take a deep breath that Nola, it looks like he's on track to be ready for opening day. Now, it doesn't seem like he's out of the woods yet. Like, he hasn't put a mask on yet and take a foul ball to the face and see how that does, right? He is dealing with a fractured nose here, right? But it doesn't seem like it's as bad as, as, bad as we thought. There's no black eye or swelling, according to Bo Mel, so... Good updates there on Soto and Nola. Again, Musgrove still pushing for that April 6th start, two to three innings that he's probably going to throw on Wednesday. Uh, talked about Drew Pomerantz and the Darvish stuff. If you guys have any more thoughts on the Darvish stuff, let me know. For Any questions on that, let me know as well. 48 pitches, because I, I watched all of his appearances in the WBC. I was up at 3 a.m. for those appearances. Um, 48 pitches in his first game. That was against Korea. 27 pitches in, I believe, the quarters. And then 18 pitches tonight in the WBC final. 93 pitches in total for you, Darvish. So it doesn't look like opening day is going to be when he'll be ready to go. If they go like on the every five-day track, and let's say he pit, he throws a little bit tomorrow, I don't know if he'd throw on back-to-back days. But, okay, let's say Thursday. Let's say he throws Thursday. I don't know if, you know, pitching four innings, even though he only went one inning today, but he throws on Thursday, give him five days. That puts him on Tuesday the 28th as his next outing. Five days after that is April 2nd. That would be the Sunday, uh, the Sunday game for the Rocky Series. That would be the fourth game of the season. So he's not on track to be pitching on opening day right now. Blake Snell, if I go to the 30th and go back five days, one, two, three, four, five, Saturday the 25th would be his last start before opening day, I would think, unless they give him an extra day. And then Monday the 20th, yesterday, was, should have been his, his scheduled start to be ready for opening day if we're going by every five days. Now, he did not pitch yesterday. But I believe he did pitch on Sunday, if I remember correctly. Or did they not play on Sunday? No, I think they played on Sunday. When did Snell last pitch? It might have been on, was it on Saturday? Yeah, because I see Tehran pitched here. Uh, that was on March 19th. I think he pitched. March 18th, 
I think that was his last spring outing. No, Honeywell pitched. I, I totally forget when Snell last pitched. I'm just going to go day by day here until I find it. The Seattle game. Did he pitch that game? Yes, he pitched that game. Okay. March 17th was his last start. So if we go by every five days, he should be pitching tomorrow. I think there's split squad tomorrow for the Padres. Could be wrong on that, but I think that's split squad. And then his next start would be the 27th. And then that Saturday would be would line him up for his first start of the season. But maybe they give him a couple extra days in between starts, and he starts on opening day. I would think Snell is the guy, but maybe it's Nick Martinez. Maybe it's Michael Walker. I'm not really concerned who starts opening day. I was just planning on it to be Darvish or Musgrove, and that's not going to happen. Musgrove, obviously, with the foot, and Darvish... He just doesn't seem on schedule to start opening day. Unless the Padres are fine with emptying out the bullpen on day one and having Darvish go like four or five innings or pitch into the fifth, maybe. And the bullpen just go, you know, Chris Matt come in right after that. And by the way, 23 games in 24 days, I don't know if that's the best way to start off. And you have three more games in that series that weekend. You don't know how Snell and some other guys are going to pitch, right? So I don't know if they want to start it off that way. All right, let's get back to the chat here. A lot of comments, so let me try to remember where I left off here. Quan says Pomerantz is almost $1 million an inning. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It sucks. It sucks that he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Alex says maybe trading for a pitcher. I don't see that happening right now. I, I Anyone that has listened to the show, watched the show, I think it's just best to see the Padres pitching that A.J. Preller acquired and or just the staff as a whole before the Padres go force something. Irie says, I think we're paying Hosmer 13 mil a year. He's not even on our team. Yep, that's pretty much correct. I think it's a little less than 13 because the Cubs are picking up like 750,000, the minimum veteran salary. But yeah, it's that for the next, what, three years? Yeah, it sucks. Chad says, can't wait for the Salas era to begin. Whenever that may be. Yeah, that's probably like 2025, 2026. 2025 might even be early, but I'm trying to be optimistic. I really love what I'm seeing out of this. I, I, I hesitate. I know older people say I, I love what I'm seeing out of this kid, but I'm 20. Like, it's kind of weird for me to say that. I like what I'm seeing out of Ethan Salas. It's weird that he's younger than me and he's just a, he's a beast. Juan says, Nola is the glue to the staff. There's a reason why he started every game in the playoffs. Yep. Well, also, I, I, I also think that the Padres didn't trust Luis Camposano. They didn't trust Jorge Alfaro. Nola was the guy, right? In the postseason, you want your pitchers to, to be pitching to the catcher that they trust most. And 
unanimous, unanimously throughout the, the roster, it's Nola. So he was going to catch every day. He was going to take that for the team. And I respect the heck out of him for it. Sal says, if our pitchers don't want to pitch to Camposano, we need to find a new backup catcher. I mean, what what's the Padres' other choice? Like, they did try for Christian Vasquez. So, yes, they, they, they pretty much admitted that, yes, we need an upgrade this offseason. We could use an upgrade. They tried for Christian Vasquez. According to reports, they, they were really bummed out that they missed, essentially, I'm paraphrasing, they were pretty much upset that they missed out on Christian Vasquez. They were really bummed out. So, yeah, they, they really wanted an upgrade. And it would have been Vasquez and Nola, probably platooning. Or maybe they trade Nola. I don't know. Maybe they trade Campy and have Nola and Vasquez. But, yeah, they, they wanted an upgrade. But, what, you're going to have Camposano go to the minor leagues again and just have him play there? We know he can play in AAA. That doesn't really do much right now, it feels like. He has to get major league playing time, but he also has to earn it too. So we're kind of just in this holding pattern with Campy. Like, he's got to earn the playing time, but he also has to get it too. Like, the Padres do have to give it to him. They have to give him the chances to earn it, right? And they're, they're doing that in spring training. He should be getting a lot of reps in spring training now, especially with Nola probably going to take a few days before getting back into games at least. Probably a week, maybe. So um, he's going to get opportunities, but he's not going to be the start. If Nola's healthy, he's not the starting catcher, but I'm hoping that he can be at some point this year. Or at least there's going to be some starters that are going to be willing to have Camposano catch for them in the biggest games of the year. I know that's a big expectation. That's a big ask, but I feel like at some point this guy has to prove that he can catch in the big leagues and he can be trusted. I think he's doing the right things. I mean, he's he's interacting more with the pitching staff. He's more of an introverted guy, but he's kind of changed. He's tried to change that. He's been conscious about changing that. So we'll see what the results are this year with that. Irie says Brett Sullivan looking good. He did, he looked good in the World Baseball Classic, and from what I've seen, I I, I like what I've seen. Simple swing, throwing out runners, but. He's not, it doesn't seem like he's that familiar, according to Bob Melvin, he's not that familiar with the pitching staff because he had a lot of time away with the WBC because they didn't just make it past pool play. They made it into the quarters where they unfortunately had the Japan draw where they were never going to win that game. But yeah, he had time away where Severino has caught pitchers all spring. Nola's been there all spring. Campy's been there all spring. So they have the advantages over Sullivan to make the roster. All right, I'm going to get through the rest of the chat here, but first, just wanted to hit on the Padres game tonight. They crushed the Colorado Rockies. What was the final score in this game? 14-2. to doesn't matter, but it was very encouraging to see the lineup show up. I mean, holy cow. Tatis, two for three in this game, scored three runs. One of the runs was on a Bogarts double. Cronenworth, two for three, scored two runs. Manny, one for three, scored a run, drove in two runs on a single to left. Brandon Dixon came in after him, went two for two. 
Bogarts, two for two, scored two runs, drove in a run on that double. Matt Carpenter, three for three, drove in four runs. I did see the two RBI single that he had. It was kind of like a, a blooper that fell in. Brett Sullivan had a hit tonight. Camposano had a hit tonight, one for three. Severino had a hit tonight. Um, a lot of starters, a lot of starters that played in that lineup. It was cool. I don't know if you guys saw this on the Padres social media page on Twitter, but they tweeted out a picture of Manny and a lot of teammates watching. I don't know if it was Darvis pitching, probably Darvis pitching, but they were watching the end of the World Baseball Classic game because they had their at-bats in. They were already out of the game, but they wanted to watch the end of the WBC. Trout against Otani probably is what they wanted to see. And so they didn't want to go back to the clubhouse because they probably would have missed it by the, you know, as they were walking back to the clubhouse or as they were getting driven back to the clubhouse, they were going to miss it. As they, uh, maybe if they had to talk to the media, they were going to miss it. They didn't want to miss it. So they were all in the dugout watching. So that was a really cool photo that was tweeted out by the Padres. But looks like it was a really good game from the offensive side of things for the San Diego Padres. Rockies are obviously the first opponent the Padres will face in the regular season. A huge night from Bogarts, Carpenter. The Padres did not have a regular starter pitching in this game, which was kind of weird. Uh, but Anderson Espinosa pitched. Four innings, didn't give up any runs, only one hit, five strikeouts. I have no idea where he's going to start, maybe double A. I have no idea where he's going to start the season or where he's going to end up, but he's one of those guys kind of like Lamette, kind of like Morahone. He never got to the big leagues with the Padres. He did with the Cubs, where he's this young guy. We've been paying attention to him for years, and he just has not broken through and been consistent at the big league level for the Padres. And it's unfortunate. I still am holding out hope. But the good news is there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of starters. There's a lot of bullpen arms where it's not like the focus is on Espinoza not living up to his potential, whatever it was, years and years and years ago, right? He can just try to work his way back. If he works his way back, that's great. If he doesn't, I mean, there's a lot of other talent on the team. I think the Padres brought him back on like a minor league deal. So it's not, it's not very high risk for that particular deal, but it sucks that it just hasn't really worked out with Espinosa. Uh, Tim Hill went an inning in this game. Ray Kerr went an inning. Kevin Copps went an inning. He used he he came on the show. I think it was last year, before last year. I think in the off season, last off season. Uh, so obviously rooting for him, pitcher out of Arkansas. Don't know where he's going to start the year, but I would expect him to be in the Padres bullpen in the next couple years. Hopefully, next few years, because this isn't going to be the same group of guys pitching for the Padres year in, year out. Um, I know Suarez will be here. Hopefully Martinez will be here, either in the rotation or the bullpen. I think Tim Hill still has a couple more years after this. Could be wrong, but I think he has multiple years of control still. There's still guys that have multiple years of control, but there's going to be some that are going to be free agents, and maybe the Padres are going to want to bring up prospects, minor leaguers, instead of paying money, paying millions of dollars to 
relievers. Maybe they want to spend that on someone like uh, Juan Soto or Shohei Otani or another starter, right? So, yeah, I didn't watch a ton of this Padres game. Again, I was focused on the WBC, but, yeah, I, I will definitely be getting back to watching the Padres day in, day out and putting up clips and all that like I usually do. So don't worry. I will definitely get back to that. How does this affect LeBron's legacy? Uh, that's funny. Jim says he's hearing Cubs fans complaining that Hosmer's a Cub. Yeah, well, welcome to our world for the last five years, right? Mr. Robot says Tim Hill equals the Santee Sidewinder. <laughs> All right, I've never heard that nickname. Pedro says, just need this lineup to mash beginning of the year to lift the pitching staff. What should we nickname the top four sluggers? I don't know. I think that's just going to have to happen. It's just going to have to happen. Uh, I know there's been some conversation on social media about what the name should be, and there's the Mount Crushmore, but... I think the Padres already had a Mount Crushmore a few years ago when the Slam Diego was happening. Uh, I don't think it can be forced. I like the big four. I know that's generic, but that's kind of what I've been calling them so far. Just the top four in the lineup, the big four, four sluggers, uh, I don't know. Four really, really good baseball players. How's that? There's a lot of other good players on this team, too. So I, I also don't want to just make it about those four guys. Nationally, they will. But I do want to, you know, talk about a lot of other guys on this team, too. Chad asks, Ben, in your opinion, what is the one thing that worries you the most about this team heading into the regular season? Good question. I'd probably say injuries just right off the bat. What happened to Musgrove? I know that was a freak thing, but injuries... Uh, the ramp up, you know, that's a little concerning in terms of positionally and not injuries, because I, I think a lot of fan bases would just say injuries. And that's kind of just the default answer, which that is a worry of mine. It's a big worry. Like the way this Padres season could get derailed is injuries. What if Tatis doesn't stay healthy? What if Manny uh, can't come back from an injury that he has this year? You know? What if Soto has this oblique thing turns out to be worse than it seems like it is right now where the calf comes back and he has to be out for an extended period of time? What if someone suffers an injury right before the postseason, a huge injury? Or what if Hader goes down and he's out for the year like Diaz with the Mets? You know, stuff like that. That, that is in your head. It is a worry. Um, but positionally, catcher is up there just – I don't know what Camposano is going to give me. And if Nola gets hurt, man, that turns into huge, that, that's a huge worry of mine is the catching position. Because I really value Nola's role on this team. I know he's not the best offensive player. He doesn't throw out a ton of runners, but he is a, I still think he's a solid catcher. Um, bench depth, you could say, but obviously love the infield. I love the outfield. If those guys are healthy, when Tatis comes back, Grish is going to have a better year this year. I'm very confident in that. Soto's going to have an MVP caliber year if he can stay healthy. I'm confident in that. Shoot, Tatis, I think, will have that. 
if he's healthy. Uh, I just don't know how many MVP votes he's going to get just because writers are going to sit there and say, well, he was out for the beginning of the year due to a suspension. I'm I'm automatically counting him out. But I think he's going to have another great year. Same thing with Manny and Bogarts. I think they all can have great years. Uh, the big four and Grisham and Crony coming in behind those guys, uh, the big four specifically, a lot of RBI opportunities. So I'm not worried about the starters, uh, maybe starting pitching depth a little bit, but I like where the depth is right now. It's just where they are right now, like ramping up. That's what it is. I'm not worried about the depth of the pitching staff right now. Injuries will happen, so I will probably will get worried about it at some point. But right now I'm fine. But yeah, injuries is the concern, and then the catching position is probably what I go to right now. Yeah, Gil says injuries. Chad says catcher for me too, yeah. Pedro, thank you so much for the super chat. I really appreciate it. Says, or he asks, excuse me, who do you like in the World Baseball Classic for the Padres, not Otani? Or who did you like? Sorry. Wait, what? Who did you like in the WBC for Padres? Like, which players do I hope end up being on the Padres? I mean, I could go through that all night. There's there's a ton of talent. A ton of talent, excuse me. Like, realistic, realistic players? Because I can name off, like, Acuna and Edwin Diaz and Trey Turner, and uh, Paul Goldschmidt, and Mike Trout, and uh, Roki Sasaki. I wish he could just come over to the team right now. Uh, I could go all day with the names. Realistic guys, though, I'd have to think about that for a second here. I haven't even looked at the free agents for next year, so I don't know about the, those guys. But I did really like Lars Newtbar. I don't know how open the Cardinals are to trading him. I know Cardinals fans don't want to trade Lars Newtbar. They love him. Kind of feels like a Hassan Kim thing here with the Padres, with Padres fans. But I really like Lars, Lars Newtbar. Yoshida's obviously with the Red Sox, but it seems like that contract should work out a little bit better than I initially thought it was going to, but I was just basing it off of not knowing who Masataka Yoshida was and them not bringing back Bogarts when we know who Bogarts is, right? Them taking that gamble. Uh, but I like what I saw out of a lot of the Japan players because I, I watched a lot of those games. That Japanese environment in the Tokyo Dome was amazing. Uh, but what about other players? I mean... I, I don't really miss Luis Arias. I know you're talking about additions, but I don't really miss him. I know he came up clutch for Mexico a little bit, a couple times, but I don't miss him, especially with the infield we have. Joey Manessis, that's a good name, Gil, yeah. Um, he's a Padre killer, seems like already. He hit that home run off of Hader when Hader was really plummeting when he was with the Padres. Um, but yeah, I mean, there was a lot of guys that stood out, but you hesitate to make a judgment like, man, I love that guy based off of two weeks, right? Guys can have a good two weeks and then suck if they had a 
if they went into a big league camp or if they go back to a big league camp and they suck or they make a big league roster and then they struggle, right? So it, it's tough to make a judgment off of players that we don't really know, but I, I would I would say a lot of the Japan, the Japanese players, they, they made a big impression on me. And I know Preller loves getting some of those Japanese players. So hopefully we see a lot more of those players on the Padres in the future. Hopefully that's a good answer to the question. But yeah, obviously Otani, but I know you said not Otani. Yeah, I agree. I loved uh, Newt Bar's enthusiasm. He was, man, he was a fan favorite for Japan. I knew someone was going to comment this tonight. Mr. Robot says, you Darvish is not allowed to face Kyle Schwarber ever again. Yeah, talk about NLCS game one, just deja vu. I mean, holy cow. Just foul ball after foul ball. I was sitting, NLCS game one, I was sitting in, you know where, I don't know if anyone was at the ballpark, probably someone was here. Schwarber hit that foul ball off of Darvish in game one of the NLCS. And that ball went up to the 300 level, all the way down the right field, all the way down the, the first baseline, right? Right field line. In the corner, but you go right field corner, you go all the way up uh, to the 300 section. It went all the way up there. That's where I was sitting. I was sitting way up there. Smashed that ball. Went right by me. That is not a place where I was expecting to see a foul ball. He did that again tonight. Hit the top of the Lone Depot Park stands in the upper deck. And then he hits a bomb to, to right field. And that's what he did in the, into the second deck off of Darvish. He did that in the NLCS too. And that was a bullet. And then Carper homered that game too, right? To, to left field, I think on a pitch that was, like, at his eyes, but he's just so freaking strong. I love watching Harper play, but it just sucked that he had to do that against the Padres. He's one of my favorite players, but sucks that he had to do it against our team. Um, but, yeah, it, it was like deja vu. So, maybe walk Schwarber next time, Darvish. Or just throw pitches very low. Throw pitches outside. I know he's not trying to throw meatballs, but it felt like all those pitches are meatballs. It feels like Schwarber, when he gets up there, he's like, oh, yeah, Darvish, give it to me. Yes, yes, I want this guy, you know? And you never want that feel. If you think that a batter is feeling that way against you on the mound, like that has to, that is not a good feeling. And I'm sure that's probably how Darvish thinks Schwarber feels about him, you know? But... Hopefully he gets past him. Hey, postseason, next season, Darvish strikes out Schwarber and just dominates him and Padres go on and win the whole thing, Like, then he'll be forgiven and we'll totally look past that. All right, any more Padres updates? I'm just looking at my notes here. I don't see any. We went through everything that I wanted to get through. I don't think there was any... Other Padres quotes notable from Bob Melvin after the Padres game tonight. But it was a good day for the Padres. I mean, I know Darvish didn't pitch great, but 
His team won the WBC. Now they're going to get him back. There's good news on the Soto front, right? Again, if you missed it, the report from AJ Casavell, Juan Soto's oblique strain, according to Bob Melvin, is minimal. Uh, based on the results from the MRI, team expects him to resume swinging in the next couple of days. Optimistic he'll get more Cactus League at-bats. Nola could resume baseball activities as soon as Wednesday. Padres scored a ton of runs against the Rockies, so it was a good day in Padres land. All right, I think that's going to do it. I'll probably talk more about the San Diego State matchup later in the week. Thank you so much for tuning in here. Talking Friars episode 368. I'll talk to you, everyone. Whoa, whoa, remix. Hang on. Let me say that again. I'll talk to everyone later. See ya. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's underdog fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments. In pickup games, just pick higher or lower on two to five players' stats, and you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross-team, cross-league, and even cross-sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy, and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season-long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes, or if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog 